Hey everybody, I'm here with Brian from Polymega. How you doing? Hey guys. So I think there's going to be a lot of people watching this that either don't know too much about either one of us. So I think it's good in this case to start with a little bit about who we are and our background. Um, I'm Bob from RetroRGB, I'm the founder. Uh, and obviously I love retro gaming and anything nerdy. Uh, I got a background in system admin IT stuff as well as product design. So I worked with, for a company, a small company that did medical grade computers. So I was a team leader for things like manufacturing, product design, thermal design, support, pretty much understand what it's like to have a, a, smaller, um, a smaller company that makes hardware. Um, also, I live in New York, so you're gonna hear lots and lots of sirens and stuff. So sorry about that. I'll try to mute where applicable. Um, and that's pretty much it. I, you know, I'm the founder of RetroRGB, and I just try to get to the bottom of everything. Um, I love all this tech stuff, and you know, the more the merrier. And I think some people sometimes see my comments and mistake my perspective on these things. So uh, I wanted to talk to you today just to get everything out in the open and let people make their own decisions about how they feel about it. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and just to give a little recap on myself, um, I'm Brian Burnell. I am the CEO and co-founder of PlayMaji Inc. Uh, we are the creators of the Polymega modular multimedia system, which is what we're calling it now. Um, so uh, my background, I started in games uh, back in about 2003, 2004. I worked for Interplay. I was a tester there as my first scrubby job in the games industry. Uh, when Interplay sort of started going downhill a little bit, I was recruited to come work at uh, Insomniac by the QA manager at uh, Interplay. Um, I was in QA at Insomniac for about a year, and then I moved up into a coordinator and then an assistant producer role. Um, and I was working on games like Ratchet and Clank, uh, Resistance Fall of Man, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and then I was the pr full project manager of um, several of the Ratchet titles also for the PlayStation 3. Um, so that was Kraken Time and uh, Quest for Moody uh, and a bit of uh, uh, future Tools of Destruction. Cool. Uh, so when I, just a little bit of the backstory, my friend Arturo texted me the other day and said that he got a chance to demo the Polymega Live. Um, and I asked that he bring me along as well because I really wanted to check it out. Uh, and you know, immediately I saw that it was a real product, and I saw some of the, the ways you were interacting with it, and it's definitely not a fake. It's definitely not a Coleco Chameleon situation. Uh, you didn't load up a Raspberry Pi with your own GUI and try to fake it. So I, at the very least, wanted to put that out there first. Um, I would have loved to have done the interview in person, but I know that you had a, a flight to catch. Um, and I wanted to get the info out there, because I had questioned myself. I had read the forum trolls, and I had read the speculation. And in the days of Theranos and the Fire Festival, you know, it seemed plausible that there could have been problems with this. So the fact that I even said that out loud, I felt I deserved, or that you deserved, for at least me to say, yes, this is a real product. Don't know who it's for yet, we'll figure that out. But. Uh, and the responses I got to that were from that were very interesting. Um, there's always the, so. uh, there's always the irrational trolls in which I really don't care what they say, and even some of my friends were acting that way, which is a little strange to me. But it just kind of goes to show how people's perceptions of the polymega might be. Um, but a lot of people, and I, I would hope the majority of the people that saw it, probably had the same thoughts I did, in that. 
all right, it's real. Let's see who this is for. Let's see what it's about. And let's maybe get some questions answered as to why some of the perspectives have been so negative over the past six months, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and looking at some of the, the comments on the, the uh, promo video that you put together, I was kind of sort of take, I was taken aback a little bit about uh, how folks that uh, that were seemingly followers of yours uh, were reacting and, um, you know, calling you a sellout for, for looking at, even looking at the Polymega or giving it the time of day. And I think it's good uh, that you touched on the fact that um, it was Arturo who invited you. I, I didn't even know you were gonna going, going to be coming until he had mentioned it. And I was like, uh, I don't know if he really likes our system that much based on some previous interactions but um, but I was like I'm open I, you know we got nothing to hide you know the system we were confident in what it does um, I'd be happy to have him check it out and I'm really that happy that you did cool so um, I guess you know I think we should skip to the end and answer the two questions that were the most heated over the past few months that we already answered that it is a real product we'll get into more about that later but can you just just start address the rumor that you were refusing refunds for people that had pre-orders? Well, that's actually I had only heard of that one time uh, on, that one person tweeted about. Um, that's absolutely untrue. We've we've uh, provided a ton of refunds. Uh, we've actually reinstated a lot of people's orders who re who requested refunds as well um, in the recent weeks since we've come back out and shown everything that we've been working so hard on. Um, so I, I I would say that that's probably just a rumor. Um, if we if there is any situation where something like that happened. Um, it definitely flew under my nose. I don't think that that's, I mean, I've certainly directed our customer service team to, uh, you know, uh, comply with whatever the customer's requests are because, uh, you know, it's their money. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to ask a question in a different way as well because of something else that had happened. I know it's unfair to ask you this based on something on a different interview, uh, but where can people go to get refunds and how can people be reassured that that's an option? Because I did have somebody on here a while back that uh, swore up and down and provided proof that he was giving refunds. And then it turned out he only gave one or two refunds and that most other people were just left ignored. Yeah, um, you can on our uh, on our website. It has the contact page, and for any kind of support matters, uh, the web the email address is on there. Uh, you can contact us at support at playmaji.com, and uh, we have a full time customer service uh, person who handles all of those requests. And there are from time to time things that get slipped through, depending on if you know perhaps when they emailed, uh, we were having some issues with Hotmail or things like that, um, which have been hopefully rectified by this point. Uh, but if they if anyone does have any questions about their order, wants a refund, wants to reinstate, wants to change their shipping address. We've been dealing with um, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of, of requests like that over the course of the last few weeks. Um, so we're happy to, to help you guys out in any way possible. And we want you guys to be uh, reassured and confident that uh, when you uh, have placed an order that you're going to get it and you're going to get the service that you deserve. Cool. So I guess if you don't mind, let's just go back to the beginning. And uh, I first heard of this product being called the Retroblox. Um, and you know, I'm I, as a nerd, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, of creative marketing terms. But you know, that's life. You can't you can't have a product sell without good marketing. So I read the hybrid emulation thing, and I kind of giggled because it reminded me of blast processing. Sure, it's a thing. Is it really? Is it not? But I think right away that kind of struck some people oddly um, and then I believe you changed uh, at one point and decided to just go straight emulation so can you kind of walk us through the whole path of all of that and I guess through the, the pre-order period 
Well, okay, so so going all the way back to the beginning of the product, so um, I think I had mentioned this in uh, some other interviews, but um, you know, when this project started, I was really only intending to make an FPGA PC engine. That's that's what this was originally uh, envisioned as. And my uh, the co-founder of the company at that time, who um, is currently the CTO, or I don't know if he's the CTO, or he's maybe the principal engineer over at Atari, uh, working on their new system. Um, so he and I came up with an idea for uh, doing emulation a little bit differently. Uh, there was never an intent to have an FPGA. Um, sorry, let me rewind for a second. The PC Engine FPGA idea was nixed early on. Uh, we thought that it was maybe, um, it, it wasn't a big enough market for such a specialty device, even though I personally would have loved it because I'm a huge collector. I have probably 700 PC Engine games and make a very large collection. Um, the uh, the timing for it, the sort of market size that we were estimating, we didn't really think that it would, we would be able to um, bring a product to market that would really, you know, make a big, huge impact. Um, and Analog was already doing great stuff with, um, you know, the NT Mini and, and things like that. And we didn't want to just make that. We wanted to make something that was a little bit different. Um, Rob, being a technologist and um, one of the system architects of the original Xbox, um, had come up with a, a new idea for how to emulate consoles a little bit differently. Um, it would always involve an emulator. It wouldn't be just a purely FPGA console, but it would work in concert with uh, some kind of microcontroller. It could be an FPGA, it could be a CPLD, it could be origi the original uh, hardware from the old console, um, it could be any number of things. But the way that uh, we envisioned that microprocessor interacting with the original CPU was that it was going to ferry data back and forth between the cartridge in real time. The key was finding the right interface for that. And we worked really hard for a long time to try to figure out how to get that data going back and forth at the right speed for all of the systems which ran at variable speeds, as you know. So, um, and actually, this is this is the board here. If you want to see the, this is the the original hybrid uh, emulation prototype board. And what you can see here is a, a dual inline uh, memory module connector on the bottom, and this actually plugs directly into the RAM slot uh, of a PC. Um, and what blocked this from becoming fruition, and this isn't necessarily, and, th and this actually is a 14-layer PCB. It has a Xilinx FPGA on it. It's, this is an intense piece of hardware. We spent a lot of time uh, in R&D on this. This is not dead. This is something that, that we still aspire to, to reach. Uh, we do think it is a great end goal for, for what Polymega can be. Um, but we did get blocked by a software issue uh, while developing it. That software issue had to do with timings of the, of the memory. Uh, uh, the memory interface in the BIOS. Um, and we didn't have a BIOS engineering team at the time that would be able to uh, get us in at, that, at such a low level that we could uh, access those timings and adjust them. So we looked at what we had, and we looked at what people were excited about, and we looked at what we uh, were ready to take to market and what would have possibly delayed us for quite a while on the project. Um, and we made the decision that um, going further with that or spending more time in R&D on, on getting that to a uh, commercially viable level um, that was affordable for people uh, was something that was going to take a little bit longer and need more time in the oven. So we did change course, um, and we did make a mistake by not announcing that change early enough. 
Um, the so just to get the timeline correct here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This product that you were talking about, you opened pre-orders for it, and you started the marketing, and that's when you started to run into the issue where you realized it's impossible to do it the way we thought we were going to do it. No, we actually pre-opened the pre-order. Um, uh, it, so, so when we were, ta I think what we're looking at is maybe E3 of last year, um, in the window between E3 and when the pre-order opened, which was in September. Um, so we had planned still to use the uh, to use the uh, the hybrid emulation setup until about midsummer. Um, we made the change at that point in time because we wanted to uh, bring up, out the the announcements for Saturn. So um, we were hoping to have that just be plain as day on the website. However, the problem is that our website was down. Um, it actually uh, was overloaded. And so I think what happened was a few people speak through. Um, we didn't really get that many orders through in the first couple of days because uh, of the uptime issue. Mm -hmm. And uh, due to that, the information being available for folks uh, became uh, harder for them to actually see as well. So when we uh, when we opened the pre-orders, it was a little bit a little bit of a challenge. And we said, let's just go ahead and announce that on uh, on social media rather than using the website for that. If I could go back in time, I definitely would have uh, announced it six to eight weeks before the uh, the launch of the uh, of the pre-order campaign. In retrospect, that definitely was a mistake, and I do apologize, to folks, for that. But I hope that we've been as transparent as possible with uh, you know what the system is now and what people's expectations can be or, or should be with the system. And um, I think we're really proud of what we have too. The the hybrid emulation is like trying to hit the hit a ball out of Shea Stadium and have it, you know, hit the moon. But the, uh, you know, we think right now the Polymega is a, is a solid grand slam. The thing is is really good. It's pretty solid uh, to play. And um, there's just a ton of potential, like you said in, in your promo video. So, um, you know, that right there explains the first pause that people had about it. Because if people weren't following closely, if they had just read your marketing materials all the way up until that time, um, and let's just say the timeline is spot on to what you just said. It's very plausible that a lot of the people that ended up pre-ordering didn't reread everything because they thought they already knew what the product was about. And I think, um, you know, it, stuff happens. There's nothing you could do about that. But once doubt, once you plant the seed of doubt into people, <laughs> I think that's why this thing probably started spiraling the way it did. Um, and I think that's, I mean, you know, I, I've been asked questions about this because I am involved in a lot of behind the scenes stuff across the retro gaming hardware world uh, and although the first time we really spoke was uh, in New York a few days ago mm -hmm. I think a lot of people assumed that I might have known something behind the scenes so while I always was honest and said no I just know the same that you know I got to hear people's perceptions of what they thought it was um, and it was very clear that the, your average person who was interested in this thought that the original marketing materials was what they had pre-ordered, and that's that's certainly a you know it's a valid reason for a, a consumer to be angry, especially after they've already spent money on something. Well, we're happy to, to, to handle any of those issues um, with customers. If they if anyone watching this wants to reach out to us, we're happy to resolve that for you. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, I think the product's a little bit delayed at the moment, right? But to be honest, uh, hardware delays 
I mean, that's nothing. You have no control over that. You're not, you know, well, the, uh, Intel. So right, right, yeah. And as you've seen, the system is, is, you know, at least as far as the base unit goes, we're still making some little tweaks to the controllers and things like that to get the weight just right and, and things. Um, so there, it's it's not entirely Intel, but it is like if we could ship right now, we would be shipping the base units. Um, the really does, the the uh, thing that's sort of holding everything up is the supply shortage from the 14 nanometer uh, chips from Intel. Mm. So um, our rep and uh, and the team that we're interfacing with to get these chips uh, has stated that the supply issues should ease up over the summer, uh, meaning that we can start. We're going to be we're already in in production uh, tooling uh, and we're are scaling manufacturing right now. Um, if that stuff, uh, if, if the chips come through, say in July, we will definitely have uh, have them in the August timeframe. Um, if the chips come earlier than that, we will have them earlier. Um, so we're just hoping we've got our fingers crossed. We're hoping that stuff, those chips come through, and we'll be able to deliver a little bit. Uh, hopefully on the earlier side of summer, but if not, then latest would be probably August September. Mm-hmm. Now the the first impression I got about the console um, is is something that some people seem to think is a negative thing, which I, I ne- never understood before, during, or after Polymega, and that it struck me as uh, an emulation console that was designed to have no configuration, which is something that's a huge problem. Unless you're an IT nerd, trying to figure out how to run emulation is challenging. And, you know, I've been doing this since I was a kid, so it's, it's still a pain in the butt for me sometimes, too, depending on controller mapping, configuration. So the thought of just first of all, the thought of something being sold that you don't even have to worry about it is great. There's a lot of kind of slapped together crap versions of that out there now that use all illegal IP, illegal ROMs, stolen emulators. And I got the impression talking to you that your main focus was to make sure that this was legal and that you licensed everything that you're using and certainly no hyperkin stealing emulator scenarios here. Um, and I, I want you to talk a little bit more about that, but I also want you to know going into this, if this is just an emulation box that requires no setup, there's nothing. that should be something that you would brag about, certainly not be ashamed of, because no one's pulled that together in a, a mass-produced consumer-grade product with no setup yet. Well, I think that that's you know sort of the trick, right? And, and for for folks who are so ensconced in the world of retro games and know how you know know the emulators, know their quirks, know everything inside and out, um, you know this may not be the product for them. But however, when I first got back into into retro gaming, like I said, I was a producer for mainstream games for a long time. Um, I went took a trip to Japan back in I think 2013, and I brought back all my systems and everything, and tried to set them all up. And I went through this whole process over the course of about six to eight months, where I was resoldering caps, doing the whole thing that everyone does when they when they you know are first kind of starting this out. And um, I was just like, who's got time for this? I would have friends that come over. They're like, how do I get this set up, and how do I how do I play? And none of them understand of them would have the time or, or uh, you know, wherewithal to be able to go through that process that I went through personally. Um, it's expensive, it's time consuming, and if you've got a kid and family and stuff like that, forget it. It's just, it's, it's too much to do. Um, and it's not really a conducive way to, uh, you know, have to experience your retro games in, in uh, 2019. I feel like uh, there's a lot of missed opportunities out there, and I think some of the tension also between the retro uh, game and em- games emulation community and the uh, commercial. Uh, 
mainstream current gen game publishers and things like that. Um, that's a long unresolved issue that I think a system like Polymega can help resolve. Um, you know, if you see, if you look at the world of, of uh, current gen games um, and the amount of, like I, I worked on these games and I, you know, I think the budget for our projects was somewhere north of $20 million and that's nothing compared to, to today's standards. Um, as a developer, I look at um, the IP infringement that is casually, that casually occurs um, as being somewhat of a problem. It's um, accepted and I'm not going to knock people who, who download torrents of, of games and things like that. Um, it's not a personal issue for me, but I know that when it comes to, if we ever want to see a new game developed for a classic platform by a major publisher, um, those types of things um, and the uh, the uh, rampant uh, use of, of intellectual property is going to be something that turns uh, publishers away from investing time and money into new classic games. And I think that that's something that I personally would really like to see. Um, and I think that's something that we could all benefit from. And there's not really a good place platform that that would allow that to happen you do see some some re-releases and, and and packs and things like that that come out on current gen systems uh, but they don't really uh, I, at least for me as a as a primarily retro gamer i'm not really interested in um in what's coming out on current gen consoles quite as much as i am with um, new developments in the retro scene mm -hmm. um, i get much more excited about something you know like seeing a new castlevania on super nes or a new uh, a sequel to a direct sequel to Ron Onto a blood or something like that. Like I would love to see these types of games developed, and it's possible for them to do that. You see new engines being created. Uh, you see new tools being developed. Um, NES Maker, I think, is a good step in the right direction. It's limited in terms of what you can do right now. But if you think about a, um, a dedicated development team creating somewhat of a unity for retro games, that um, where a publishing or a publisher can invest a smaller amount of money into developing a, a new game using classic IP for a classic system. I think you can see some really cool stuff there, and um, I don't really see any kind of viable platform that's out there today, except for Polymega, that would allow something like that to happen. Agreed. There's a few. There's a few people trying to approach it from a software point of view, but any retro gamer would tell you that that there's you have to pair it with some kind of hardware. Even I guess just a controller, but whatever. You have to have some kind of marriage between the software and hardware or else you could potentially have a perfect experience on one thing and a terrible on another. So uh, I think that stuff's important. So it sounds like your goal is to is to not just have this be something that you could play existing games, but something that you could open up publishers to either sell their existing games or, or even publish new games on. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that if I look at so, so I guess when you look at our vision of where we want to take things, um, the preservation of the games is very important. I look at um, at stuff like iTunes and the iPod and people uh, digitally archiving their CD collections and selling them off and things like that. We may never sell off our retro games because we love them and we like to collect them and put them on a shelf and we, we hold them uh, dear for those reasons. But... Uh, but I think that there's uh, there's an opportunity to preserve your your collection digitally for, for preservation matters and having a, a very capable box based on emulation FPGA whatever it is something that you can use to play those games in a, using an interface that you know your kids can understand you know kids like to play they're used to using Netflix and they're used to using uh, you know their iPads and things like that and they're not really used to combing through lists of games that you might see going through an ever drive 
or, or something like that. It doesn't really mean anything to them when they see those game names. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so having a really nice interface and something that feels familiar to them uh, is really important to us. And then, yeah, just um, if we look at, at 20 years from now, how are, how are we playing these games? How are they living on? Are we continuing to get uh, collections rehashed onto uh, whatever current gen system is out? Or maybe even the game console itself is no longer around um, and we're using products like Google Stadia or whatever or what have you. Um, you know, what really happens to these games at that point? Um, you know, the hardware now is not really that old. Um, so we can keep them alive using, uh, you, you know, repair, restorative techniques. Uh, but if you look at, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, looking back at maybe, say, from the 1980s to, uh, you know, the mid-1990s, we can keep those systems alive right now. But, um, and much like a, like an old vinyl uh, vinyl uh, player. So, but if you were going to go, to go back to, like, say, the 1950s, now that starts getting a little bit more difficult to keep that hardware alive. You really, really, really have to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, keeping those things uh, or keeping the, those vintage pieces of hardware in tip-top shape. And that's not going to really work for everyone. So, um, so we do look, uh, we do look quite a ways down the line as far as how people are going to be experiencing these games. And hopefully we'll be able to get uh, some of the traction with the publishers. And even if we don't, one of the reasons why we built Polymega to be compatible with the classic, uh, classic games media uh, was so that you can still continue to have a really modern experience with every single game that ever came out for the systems, regardless of whether that publisher is now owned by a bank or you know a foreclosure company or whatever whatever it is, whatever the status of that intellectual property is today, we're no we're not beholden to them uh, and and what their uh, their IP is. You can still have that great modern experience, and if we and we may never work with Nintendo because they're very cautious about where their IP appears. We're totally cognizant of that. We're not thinking that I, we we're we're very pragmatic about the fact that we may never ever work with Nintendo, but. You can still go buy that $5 Super Mario Brothers and, you know, under fair use rules, you can plug it into a Polymega and still get that great experience. So we think that there's a there's a lot of value there um, looking forward to the future. And while it may not be, uh, I think if you compare it to systems um, like, say, the... Uh, you know the analog. You have a completely different uh, sort of uh, offering there. You have uh, disk-based systems. That's that stuff costs or that stuff uh, requires software engineering that may not be uh, easily uh, replicated on a purely FPGA console. Um, but you also have uh, low latency inputs. I know you got a chance to play uh, using the USB connection just the other day. Uh, that's pretty fast. Um, it's not our fastest interface, though, so we're going to be bringing those modules out uh, for you to check out next month. So I, I do think any kind of comparisons to the analog products is apples and oranges. Um, but I would, and I do, uh, I certainly do like the vision that you just described of what you would like to see the product turn into. Uh, but I think a lot of people want to know what it is that they're going to get the day that it arrives at their house. Yep. Uh, now, you guys have been uh, outright about uh, the base modules pretty much done, but the, uh, the add-on modules are going to be delayed a little bit. So from the base module perspective, when somebody opens this up, they're going to have you know, good hardware, uh, good design. You know, I, I saw the, the plastic uh, case. Everything was good. Um, and you know, good UI, easy to scroll through. But when you open it up, what are the first things that you're able to do? So Saturn and PlayStation, it looked like, right off the bat? 
Oh yeah, well, um, so so of course the system is compatible with um, all of the CD systems without any modules at all. So right off the bat, you're able to play Sega Saturn, mm -hmm. you're able to play PlayStation, you're able to play Neo Geo CD, TurboGrafx CD, and Sega CD. Okay. Um, so all those systems work right out of the box without any additional hardware mm -hmm. uh, or any modules. Now, you had said that um, uh, I think a lot over the past few months about how you were writing your own BIOSes for those CD, uh, CD consoles so that you wouldn't actually infringe upon anybody's IP. Um, that's a tremendous amount of work. Uh, it is. I saw the yep. Saturn one in action, and it... When I put the CD in, it pretty much ran exactly like a Saturn. Uh, when I played the version off of the hard drive, it did boot faster, which was a very nice bonus. <laughs> uh, but so, I mean, is how long did that take in order to do all the different BIOS configurations? Well, we have some of the top Sega Saturn developers in the world working on this project, um, and we have done everything 100% by the book. We're aware of all the various uh, precedents that have been set by um, Sony versus Connectix and um, and Sega versus Accolade. Uh, we have done all of our homework on that, and we've abided by every dotted I and cross T that's in there. And basically, I'm sorry, my light just turned off here. Um, so. So basically, uh, what we did was we had one of our developers, uh, or one of our developers, write the BIOS uh, to a specification that was created um, separately by a person outside of our company that had already documented the Sega Saturn BIOS, um, and we purchased that from him. And then we uh, we created uh, and wrote the new Sega Saturn BIOS internally. And it, I guess it took maybe about three four months to do. Um, that's one of the reasons we didn't really show a lot of the Sega Saturn also at the beginning. Um, it's a well. It's really cool to to see Sega Saturn running. Uh, we wanted to be very cautious about um, how we used uh, the code for the system uh, due to the sensitivity around the legal issues with the BIOS. Um, so when we were demoing some of the systems before, you probably saw it use the save state to jump ahead past the uh, past the uh, the boot screens for the Sega Saturn was because it was running on the old on the original BIOS. Um, so for us, we needed to have the BIOS completely done before we really got out there and started showing this thing fully in action. Um, at this point in time, uh, we have uh, Sega Saturn completely done. It's 99% compatible. Um, if there's anything that comes up, uh, we are able to fix it pretty much right away. Um, so we are pretty dedicated to uh, if, if you know someone tosses in an odd demo disc or karaoke disc and it's not working for some reason, it'll go on a list and we'll be looking at it for a compatibility update on the console. Um, PlayStation, uh, we had announced earlier that I think it's 95% compatible. It's a little bit lower in compatibility, and that's primarily because the system just has way more games. There's tons and tons and tons of PlayStation games, um, and some of it's untested, uh, especially if you look at that Japanese collection. There's something like 3,500 games. Um, so there's a lot of work to do there. We're going to need everybody's help uh, to make sure that, that we get as much coverage on that as possible. But again, we're dedicated to making sure that we have high, as high compatibility as possible with our, uh, with our PSX BIOS and Sega Saturn BIOS. Uh, now so, for the other um, systems, a few things okay. just to just to interject for a little bit. Um, so first of all, it's my personal opinion that that's uh, that is certainly the approach that I would have taken, and that it 
you, the product would never release if you tried to wait for everything to be perfect. And in a product that's designed to be plugged into the internet, asking to do a, an update every, you know, probably frequently at first is a reasonable thing, at least in my opinion. But one of the, the things, one of the concerns that was definitely being loudly echoed when you started doing the demos was that you were only showing Saturn. And I kind of jokingly said to, to Art when we walked in there, like, I wonder if they're only going to let us play Saturn. Does this thing even play other games? And it did. I demoed a bunch of different consoles on it. Um, is there a reason that you are sticking to really only showing Saturn footage? And, you know, is it at launch date going to be able to actually, you know, not all of them, but play all of those CD systems that you mentioned? Uh, yeah, so we have a couple of systems that are still in progress right now in terms of the BIOS uh, work. So so I'll tell you which one is the lowest priority on our list, and that's because the BIOSes are available um, in physical form. The lowest on the list is TurboGrafx and PC Engine. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I have, like, personally, maybe five or six system cards from, from Japan or, or uh, and you know, arcade cards and stuff like that. So you can, it's compatible with the system cards, and you can install them, and it'll, it'll just work. Um, we do target to have every system system uh, have a BIOS, uh, a, either HLE or BIOS replacement ready to go with the system when we deliver. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I don't think that's going to be a question, um, but uh, Neo Geo CD and Sega CD, they both have their BIOSes that are being uh, written right now. Um, so there is a little bit of more work, a little bit more software work that we're doing on that front. Uh, but of course, you can always sideload any of the official BIOSes if you want to. We just can't provide them for you. So one of the things that I had seen many people echo, both, both in a trolley way and in a very respectful way, was that they got the impression that you did a pre-order on a product that wasn't done yet. Uh, and I, you know, to be perfectly honest, it, I don't really know how I would feel about that because in many cases you can't finish a product without funding. And, you, and not just crowdfunding, any, you know, for the history of companies, you, it's almost, it's very rare to see somebody have a complete finished design before they ask for funding. Usually you need it for R&D. Um, so I'll, you know, it sounds like that's kind of what it is, and I don't view that as a bad thing, but I think people could are now open to make up their own minds about that because I could certainly vouch for what I've seen, uh, what you've showed, um, and I guess uh, as long as you're aiming to have them done by launch date, that's okay. Uh, but what about the cartridge stuff? So now you were always upfront about the modules, that's fine. But, you know, at first I'm assuming people could load their ROMs up and play if that's what they choose to do. Uh, but are the cartridge-based emulators going to be available on launch day as well? Well, let me correct you. You can't use any kind of ROMs side-loaded side onto the system. You, oh, this no. is a system that's yeah, primarily you use the cartridge. You have the option to just play it, or you can install it separately into the, into the system, and then you no longer have to use the cartridge anymore. Same thing goes with CDs. So if you, uh, well, I actually wanted to get back to that one in a separate question. So uh, you, you, there is no way that you're allowing people to just add ROMs to an SD card or something and play it off of that. You require the original uh, cartridge itself? Correct. And the reason for that is because of the uh, the relationships that we're building with publishers. Uh, we don't want to, and listen, we have no disillusions that people are going to attempt to crack the system and hack the system. Um, if Sony can't stop them, there's no, there's a, right. you know, there's a snowball chance in hell that we're going to be able to stop them. But 
in order to play ball and do the things that we really want to do from a high level with this system and to get to those goals, we really need to be as um, as dedicated to not supporting uh, piracy as possible because playing nice with those publishers is what's going to result in you guys having better games to play on the system in the future. And um, so, but if you do have your own cartridges, you plug them in and... Uh, I imagine that it would have to be a scenario where even if you didn't specifically tell it to rip into the hard drive, it would have to because it has to read from the ROM and not from the cartridge in real time, right? Well, there's a bunch of different. So our our modules are pretty unique. So the way that they work is you have a um, you have the cartridge slot. Um, there's also onboard games um, which are included with the system. So there's Flash actually uh, embedded in the cartridge. Uh, I'm sorry, in the in the module. Um, and then you have your controller ports which run over a different interface entirely from uh, from the one that that dumps the the, the game ROM. So. So for those games, we and we also have a huge database of all of the games um, with our system. I think there's something like 15,000 games in it right now. Mm -hmm. And anytime it detects one of those games, we have a database of all the art, the UI uh, assets, and everything like that uh, that matches based on a CRC that's generated from the game or a sampling of the code that's or a sampling of the uh, the game ROM, mm -hmm. and um, and then it matches up and brings up all the nice art and everything that you see on the system. Okay, and when you um. When you rip the ROMs, that should be pretty straightforward and easy, all things considered. ROM dumpers have been around for a long time now. But CD ripping, um, that's something that not only would speed up your loading times, but with disk rot happening now, uh, I mean, it's it's going to be way sooner than people expect that their games are going to stop working. It's, not it's already happened months, to me, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, how are you handling ripping to the hard drive, and is it is it in a way where it's a true representation of it? Are you compressing them down? Um, how really does that happen? It's a true representation of it. Um, it's uh, totally accurate. What happens is um, you can actually play the so when you insert a game, and this is something that we there's a, still a little bit of work that's going on with the caching system. Mm -hmm. But essentially, what's happening is when you install uh, when you insert a CD-ROM game, we take a sampling of that um, track by track, and we start caching the game into uh, into memory. And when the uh, when the game is uh, being, you can actually play the game while that caching is happening. Um, you can uh, elect to install the game in the background while you're playing the game. Um, it's quite it's it's quite modern actually in the way that it works. You can play any of the systems while you're installing games. You can get a heads up display on on what your progress of the installation is. And that takes some of the sting out of the install process because some of these larger games do to actually take quite a while. And we don't read them all at the exact same speed because we like we try to read them at the same speed as the original system did mm -hmm. um, so that you're getting that accurate rip of the game. Um, I know a lot of times when people like to make duplications of their or, or uh, uh, archive copies of their games, um, you like to use the lowest speed setting possible so that you're getting the most accurate uh, representation of the game when it's dumped. Um, and we do the same thing. Um, certain systems dump the game or uh, rip the, the game CD very quickly. Um, for example, PlayStation 1, um, PC Engine and Neo Geo CD tend to take a little bit longer because they have slower drives. Um, and so it sort of depends on what it is, but we're trying to make sure that we're giving you the best uh, archive, digitally archived copy of the game possible. Cool. Now, um, for the emulators that are on there, um, are those, you know, you mentioned that you're licensing everything. Um, are those in-house? Are those purchased licensed from other emulators? How has that really been working? Um, and which ones are you using on there? 
Well, um, I wasn't really going to go into it, but I really don't. I think at this point, it's like who really cares? Um, so, so I'll give you a full rundown of what we of what we've got. Um, so we've got uh, Medifin, obviously, is something that that we've worked with. Um, Saturn, PlayStation, Turbo Graphics, uh, and we have uh, uh, SNES as well. Now. SNES Faust emulator is something that was sort of mid-stride. It wasn't a fully complete emulator. Uh, we actually did talk to some other emulator developers about licensing theirs, but they didn't feel comfortable doing it. Um, so we ended up developing uh, the majority of, or a good chunk of this uh, this uh, SNES emulator uh, uh, for this project. So not only fixing a ton of bugs um, and working on, you know, basically just testing the entire library, producing new builds, uh, going through and uh, adding DSP support for the various uh, DSP-based games that are out there. Um, it's actually turned out great, though. The SNES Faust emulator was, um, I would say, it probably has the best sound I've ever heard of, of an SNES emulator, and that's one of the things that made me really fall in love with it, um, having used other emulators in the past and not to I won't take any. I won't name any names, but the uh, but audio quality. I'm kind of. I guess I'm kind of an audiophile. I really really care about that. Um, and it was just immediately uh, noticeable to me how how good the quality of, of uh, the sound reproduction is. So um, we're really excited about the SNES emulator. We're still doing a little bit of work. We've already implemented uh, SA1 uh, Super FX. I think you played Yoshi's Island when we were uh, when we met the other day, and then. Uh, and we have uh, SDD1 and uh, DSP1 slash 2 and its variations uh, going in now. So that's another tremendous amount of work right there. Um, so that's, I mean, uh, it's a lot of effort to put into all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, I just once again, just, you know, I'm saying this in a positive way. I just once again get the impression that this is just... Uh, an imagine, I gotta hate to use this as a, an analogy, but imagine if the Retron 5 didn't suck. <laughs> that's, that's what you're aiming for, a, a way to legally play stuff through your original games. You have the CD uh, drive there as well on top of all that, as well as a really nice interface and a way to update over, you know, over the air. Um, now, the one thing that I did, uh, I can say, is although I would have liked to have spent a lot more time with it, the, the Saturn emulation was relatively low lag. Uh, I saw a lot of comments um, who might not have understood what about two and a half frames of lag means, but to put that into comparison, it's about what you'd get from the NES or SNES Classic consoles, which, um, you know, depending on your sensitivity, uh, a lot of people love those consoles, and I mean, that's probably the same target market as well, a more mainstream, less, you know, videophile, crazy retrohead. And I, I think that's I think that's great. There's obviously room for improvement, um, but compared to things like the Retron Five, I think I measured over five uh, for one of the emulator. I think it was the Super Nintendo emulator had five frames of lag over an original console on that. So two and a half is uh, is certainly reasonable. And is that something that uh, you're really aiming to hit that or lower on all the the different emulators you're using? Well, I'll tell you what we uh, we. 
you know, I'm really happy that we got together and had you do the scientific test. I didn't have the equipment to do that in-house here, and um, I'm really happy that you got a chance to do it because um, just yesterday uh, we took a look at the footage and we started kind of digging deeper on um, some of the timings of various uh, uh, various uh, things in Linux. And um, in fact, on the USB, we may be able to get it even a little bit faster um, based on the uh, the information that we got. So. Uh, we are looking into that, and again, one of the th great things about this console is that we are constantly going to be working on improving it. Um, we have the emulator developers on our team, so I think when people see this product, it's kind of a you know faceless, like they don't know Polymega, they know they know their emulator that they use or their uh, you know their favorite systems and games. Um, but what they should realize is that the people who are creating your favorite favorite emulators are actually working on this, um, and they're paying attention to to the feedback that people. Uh, give and um, we have ideas about how to make things better for people um, and we may not be able to do everything all at once and as much as we would like to say yes to everything that's out there we do have to have a, you know keep everything in the backlog prioritized adequately so that we can actually release this thing on time mm -hmm. um, but the uh, yeah I, I do think that there's a, there's an opportunity and I will say that um, based on the testing that you have you'll probably see for the module control reports um, you'll reduce uh, one frame off of that oh, Oh, that's yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah, so that's that's our that's our target, and when we when we go do the test uh, next month with you, um, I would be looking at that being the. I, I would be very surprised if it was above it. Uh, it might even be a little lower. So we'll see. Cool. Um, so I'm trying to think of anything else. There was a, a few more things I wanted to talk about, but it, it just sounds like the overview of the product is, you know, something that was misconstrued by the public, but it's just aiming to be a legal way to play your games that's a, a third-party solution, so not the original. So it seems pretty straightforward. It's obviously not going to be for everybody, but I don't think that you guys thought it was going to be for everybody. So it's, you know, anybody that says... Anybody that would enjoy using something like a NES or SNES Classic would probably love this. Maybe it's too expensive, maybe it's not. It's not my place to say. But anybody that has a calibrated Sony BVM that they've spent a week recapping and calibrating, this is not probably not for them in its launch form. Uh, we spoke about potential things, and I don't want to. I don't even want to mention them because I don't want to put ideas in people's heads. But we um, we talked about some potential that could be added to this to make it something that now it's a different experience. And I think that's the one thing that, as far as emulation in general goes, that people seem to forget. Um, you know, because it's an emulator, you can do things that are absolutely impossible on all original hardware, regardless of what fancy add-ons or even FPGA you have. So, for you know, my personal hope is that after you get your launch worked out, after everything's going and you're looking to do you're looking to give people more of a reason to buy it. You'll think about all those awesome things that are going around now, nowadays where even grumpy old gamers like myself could say, hey, this is a, a different way to play it. Maybe better, maybe maybe subjective, but it's totally different. So I think that's I, I think potential. Yeah, there's certainly um, there, there's certainly a lot to look at there, and I think that that's what we're most excited about. I think when we look at the the initial launch offering, this is a nice way for you to play your your systems and to digitally archive your collection with a beautiful UI that runs at 60 frames per second. Mm -hmm. You don't really have to worry about anything. If you care, if you have a nice living room and your your wife gets mad at you for having your stuff all over the place, this is a this is like an easy win for you. You can put this in the living room and and she'll never complain about. 
about it. Your kids will play it, and you know you can have a great time with them, exposing them to games that they really didn't know much about before, and let them explore for themselves even, um, and, and find the games that are most interesting to them. Uh, but yeah, when you look at sort of what's next after that, that's where we really think the Polymega is going to especially shine. Uh, the and and I'm fine talking about it because we we did show a little bit. Um, I won't I won't demo it or anything like that. But um, I think if you look at what's capable, and I guess this is kind of goes back to your the last bit of conversation we had, and I didn't finalize uh, the list of emulators that we're using. Um, I'll, I'll say here though, uh, for NES we're using Messen. Um, we have a fully licensed version of Messen, which is one of the greatest emulators out there right now for the NES. It's very accurate, highly compatible, um, and it also works with uh, NES maker games uh, and it also has a great feature called HD NES or uh, HD packs for the uh, sorry not HD NES that's the other guys uh, but HD packs for the for for Messen um, those are compatible on Polymega and uh, we're working on uh, bringing uh, new uh, compatible versions of the HD packs uh, to officially release games on Polymega uh, these are things that you wouldn't be able to do on an FPGA based system a purely FPGA based system and it's also one of the reasons we never were a purely FPGA system because we wanted to do stuff like this. Mm. Um, so I think when people look at the uh, the FPGA versus hybrid emulation thing, we never took the FPGA out of Polymega. It was uh, that we always were going to be an emulation-based system, but we wanted to read carts in real time. What we don't do anymore is we don't read carts in real time. Um, that's made the main difference. But emulation, if you pulled that cartridge out of there, you're still running emulators, mm. um, even on the original vision of the console. Okay. Um, I'd like to I'd like to scroll through some of the comments now, and of course I'm going to skip all the useless ones, but uh, not read all of them, but just kind of echo some of the things. But as a personal favor, can uh, can you please tell everybody exactly how much you've paid me to do this interview? <laughs> That'd be a big fat donut. I mean, like I said, yeah. um, so so the reason we're even talking, I mean, we I, we actually did try to talk a long time ago, but I think our schedules just got never worked out. Um, so the reason this all happened was because uh, we got into a. I, I was DMing with Justin Wong, the, the Street Fighter player, mm-hmm. and um, and I was like, "Hey, we're gonna be in New York. Right? If you're around, we'll you know, do you want to check it out?" And he's like, "I you know, I don't live in New York right now, but uh, but talk to Arturo, who's you know, who's my go-to. I trust everything he says. He's like the man." And I said, I talked to Arturo Sabin, and he said, uh, he said, um, "Can I bring a, or can I bring along a friend?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And you know, when he said your name, I was like, oh, "This should be interesting," but <laughs> but it was. Uh, I was glad that you came over. I mean, you know, you got there a little bit earlier, actually, before Arturo, and we got a chance to really sit down and talk. And I think that when you, and I've noticed this with the Polymega quite a bit, um, you know, especially due to, uh, you know, the perceived internet notion of what it is or what it isn't, uh, that when people actually sit down and use it, they're like, this is pretty nice. And, and you know, maybe it's not for me, maybe it is for me, but but I'll say that this is this is a thing, and I can see where there's going to be some interest here. So I, I'm glad we got a chance to sit down, and um, I think that you, you know, when you uh, announced that we were going to be talking, um, I think that uh, there's a lot of interest around this from from your core audience. Um, I know there's a lot of information that we want to get out there, and we're just happy to be talking to you about it. But we're not paying you anything, <laughs> that's for sure. Right. So. Um... So yeah, I mean that that was exactly my thing too. Is I saw uh, one kind of bigger named journalist in the middle of uh, a whole bunch of, of Twitter awfulness, just tweeted, "I saw it and it's cool." And to me, I was just like, "Oh, I can't. That that sucks. That makes it worse." I'm sure that <laughs> journalist didn't mean to do that in that way, but 
Um, so yeah, I, I really, as as you know personally, I always just say what I feel, regardless of what people think. So uh, now I'm on the other side of it, saying it's a real product. Uh, and on a personal note, anybody in these comments that accused me of taking money to do this will get banned forever. I don't have time for those people. Uh, but to run through, um, there were some. Uh, let me go. A lot of people just weren't even okay with the fact that I would talk to you, which I don't. It baffles me why the truth wouldn't want to come out on either side of things. Uh, do you, oh, wow, there's a lot of negative comments here. Um, I think um, I think there's just a, when you when you operate in a tribal manner, it's yeah. you know you 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 want your horse to win, and you know any kind of <laughs> opening of any gate that that might. Uh, but there were a lot of really good comments. Uh, some of them were just uh, echoing things we've already said, which is why I'm skipping over them. Got it. Somebody asked if I could ask you to clarify the screenshots that you'd shown of your CRT filters. Um, sure. Because a lot of people thought those were just straight up fake. Um, and as somebody who spent probably an unhealthy amount of time taking pictures of CRTs, it did actually look like a CRT. Was it, I mean, were those real CRT, <laughs> uh, were those real pictures of your filter? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you saw the filters, I think, when we were when we were there, or when we were in New York. Maybe it was just really briefly. I do, but the problem I have is I hate all of these filters because I spend an unhealthy amount of hours looking at real CRTs through a, le a camera lens. So to me, it never it, the best filter in the world isn't going to look good to me. Which so it's I don't even comment on it because it's not fair. It's not accurate to what your <laughs> average person would say. Um, now your console is 1080p, not 4K, right? Yeah, 1080p. Right. So, I mean, the, based on what I saw in person, it looked perfectly fine. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's possible to get a real rep, uh, reproduction of what a CRT looks like until you're at least at a 4K resolution. And the people that I spoke to actually said if you want to mimic exactly what something like a high line count BDM is, you almost need 8K for that. So, based on what I saw, it looked perfectly fine to me. Um, those were, those were real screenshots. I was I was close in on it, um, so that you could you know because you get variable lighting in whatever environment you're in and things. So I was really close in on it. Uh, but you'll notice there's no there's no phosphor glow or anything like that. Those are really great things that we could do to try to model the 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 composite filter or the RGB filter even a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, those are just natural shots of the of the system right off of my monitor right here at my desk. It's pretty funny too because on the one hand. Uh, I know I stopped putting scanline footage in almost all of my videos, and if I do have it in there, it's in there for four or five seconds, and I make sure to put up the disclaimer, scan lines always look like crap when you're trying to post them on the internet, you got to see it for yourself to decide if you like it. Uh, so, I, you know, I, obviously that was in the forefront of my mind, and I did see a lot of people <laughs> posting their own side-by-side -side comparisons, uh, so it's pretty funny to see how... You know, you could see how plausible these conspiracy conspiracy theories might be, uh, especially coming from some of the people that posted the side by side screenshots. It really did actually look like a CRT. So, well, the the it's it's modeled to look like a CRT, uh, but yeah, the uh, the resolution of the monitor is completely different, and uh, you know the way that that turns out. I mean, it's it, it's meant to look that way. Um, it's, it was quite flattering actually. <laughs> some of the some of the analysis that we got, um, but yeah, they're real. That's that's how we want it to look. I, I have a PBM at home. I I play it in my in in you know one of my live the 
living room uh, on the floor with a, a game console, like how you're supposed to play a video game console. And, um, and uh, you know, we wanted it to, I want it to look like the PVM uh, for the RGB filter. And my, and uh, Eric, the, you know, the C CTO, he, he wanted it to look like the, the composite filter that on the TV that he has. So we both just took our two favorite TVs and made, made filters that look like it. Yeah, which is funny too because when you ask what I think the composite filter looks like, in my head I'm going, it looks like shit because composite <laughs> looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, I try not to ever comment on those because I'm not the person to talk to about that. Um, I, pr I prefer the RGB too myself, but it's it's all preference. Yeah, to each his own. There's, and there's, you know, at the end of the day, for in a situation like this, there's no wrong way to play it. You know, it's not like adding that filter would add lag. <laughs> That's, you know, certainly not uh, not something you'd have to worry about. But, um, you know, going through the rest of these comments, it's a lot of people that just don't understand emulation. But most of the, the legitimate and genuine concerns people had were of the impression that they got and, uh, you know, I will say when I jumped in and was rude and mouthy, it's because that's kind of the impression I got as well. And that, you know, you love or hate analogs marketing. You know, you got to admit, at the very least, Chris certainly is brilliant at it, whether you like it or not. At the time that, that you guys started picking on them publicly, they had already had two, two products out and one on the way that were FPGA-based. And I think if, if this was a month after the Polymega was released... I don't think any of the blowback... I don't think you would have gotten any blowback at all. I think it would have been a normal Twitter post where 1% of the people are going to be assholes for no reason, and that's it. Um, but I think that's... I think that's something that you should take seriously, and I'm not... Uh, I'm certainly not saying that to try to punish you or something. I'm saying that because out of the all of the, the hundreds of comments I'm reading across Twitter and almost 100 on YouTube here, there are people that genuinely feel that the, the perception of the company is negative. So that can't be something that you ignore, especially based on some of these really well-written comments from people that are genuinely concerned of where their money's going to and, and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, do you we, guys we, have we, we've certainly certainly taken that to heart. Um, you know, in the, I think when you're in the throes of uh, of launching a product, and you know, if you've worked on on launching something commercially before, it's it's um, you know always a very high stress environment. Um, you know, we may have been, we were a little bit out of line when we said some of that stuff, but at the same time, they did take shots at us, and we're not afraid to defend ourselves, um, and we never will be. And um, you know, I think that really what needed to happen was that we needed to show a lot of the stuff that we were working on um, and uh, share with you guys the same experience that we've been having ourselves. Um, and we're hoping that by talking to you and by letting more people get hands-on with the system, we have some great, actually, we have some really uh, really great hands-on uh, in-store demos coming up pretty soon here in LA and some in, in Tokyo as well. Um, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity for folks to get their hands on the Polymega uh, in the near future. And um, I think that when they do have a chance to give it a test drive, uh, they'll learn what it's all about and, and uh, form an opinion for themselves. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm certainly not trying to harp on the point, but, um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of this negativity comes from the fact that the account labeled Polymega is saying these things. And I think in today's social media, people are used to an, an official account, you know, not even responding. Official accounts just for updates and ignoring everything else. And, you know, Brian at Polymega or Polymega Brian should be the one, you know, I, I think I think no one would no one in their right mind would fault anybody for getting emotional about a project that they've dumped years of their life into. 
So I think that's something that I, of course, myself have to worry about now, too, because for years, Retro RGB was just run by me. Now I have a group of incredibly awesome people that I'm lucky enough to work with, and I don't want my statements to reflect on all of them. So maybe we both should think about branching out our social media <laughs> so that well, uh, it doesn't look like that anymore. Well, the thing is that I always feel like you have to look at the humans that are behind the, you know, we're not some cor corporate faceless entity. We don't have thousands of employees. We have a, t a small team of very passionate people who have been working very hard on the project, just like your projects. And I think that even when we had our exchanges in the past between you and between, uh, between you and I during that time, um, I love that you and I can sit here and talk about the system and talk about games and just talk about our love for this shared hobby and passion that we have um, as normal people, even despite those things. Oh, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, uh, it's a testament to the way both of us approach these things, because I don't, you know, it, I, I don't really care about anything other than let's, let's talk nerd stuff, right? And if, you know, if somebody gets mouthy, I've never been afraid to stand up for myself, but I've also never been afraid to say I'm wrong or I'm sorry. And I, exactly. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of all that. You know, I'm going to be a dick sometimes. I'm a human being. It's just, just kind of how it's how it is. But, you know, after talking to you, after seeing the console, after after envisioning the potential something like this could have, in the longevity too. You know, those modules, technically, if they don't wear out, aren't going to. It's not like they're going to become obsolete. A SNES module is always going to be a SNES module. So you're building the foundation on something that could last many many product revisions across a lot of years so i certainly you know i would like this even if it is just an emulator box that you plug your carts into it's still something i think people need and if it gets to be something better than that it's a lot more people than you would even expect would be into it so uh take all those things into consideration see if uh you know we both maybe need to hire some marketing people to make sure people can see our 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 brands i hate using that word but our brands for what they're supposed to be and not for mistakes that may be posted publicly i think that that's the that's a very fair assessment and you know we're we're not we're definitely not perfect we've had we've had our faults but we're dedicated to making sure that our communications are super professional um that we're helping people get informed about the system uh learn about it and hopefully get a chance to play it at some point in the future uh because i think that that's really what uh what folks deserve to do they, they deserve to play it so uh, you said you're going to be back in New York within a few months, right? Um, I would like to be back late next month. Um, okay. So sometime before E3 would be great. And um, I'd love to set up another meeting, maybe over the same space or, you know, wherever you'd like. Absolutely. Depending on your schedule, um, maybe we could even meet at a different lab that already has equipment already set up. Sure. And, you know, I would like to be more accurate because there's a chance I was half a frame off in my measurements, you know. That means you could have even less lag than you thought. So I would like to, I'd like to put this under a, a finer microscope, if you will. But with a, obviously now, you, you know, I think I've proven with a completely open mind on either side of things, just to get answers. And you guys certainly seem like a company that, if I did find a fault, you, uh, you'd be welcoming how to fix that, not you know arguing with me, telling me it doesn't exist or something like that. So uh, that's what we're hoping for, yeah. I'm certainly looking forward to uh, to anything that uh, to seeing what you guys have come out with. Um, I, you know, anybody that has any questions or things that they specifically want me to test, um, you know, post down in the comments. I'll keep a note of all the good ones, and I'll try to test those. The one thing that respectfully I will not be testing are things that are very obviously stuff that could be updated in firmware updates. 
there were some questions for some from some incredibly smart people that I know that were so detailed, like ask how they're reproducing, you know, the the color signature on this style of game from this emulator. And it's like, that's a great question. And that's something that can improve the experience that has no bearing on launch day. <laughs> that's, you know, no no offense, no disrespect to my friends that, that said that stuff. Uh, so maybe for, for now, between now and launch day, just things that, you know, as a realistic consumer, any questions or any things anybody would like me to test, what you would expect from a launch day product, and then we'll see how things go, and maybe we'll do another follow-up in the winter or something with all the all the little fine-tuned details, I guess. I'm looking forward to you guys getting your hands on it and actually using it. Um, I think that people are going to be really, especially the hardcore players, um, I have zero tolerance for input lag, mm-hmm. and as because I, I primarily, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I love shooters, and I love the PC engine shooters especially. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some requests for videos of certain games I've had to hold back a little bit because it's, you know, it's one of my favorite systems and I don't want to just like go go in down that rabbit hole quite yet. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we really care about stuff like input lag. Um, this stuff is, while this system is, is made for the mainstream, um, I wouldn't, I, I, it's got to be something that I would play myself. And um, as someone who, who really deeply and passionately cares about my collection and the quality of the games experience that I have, um, I will make sure that it is good enough for, for folks at least at my level of, of, uh, of collecting and, uh, and things like that. Cool. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, we mentioned lag again. Just to give it some perspective, um, uh, if you really did get it down to about one and a half frames of lag, that's about on par with the Frame Meister. And that's a device that thousands of people have used for years and uh, we're totally okay with. So, it's, it, you know, I have had a few people echo the comments of, I have all of my original consoles, I have an RGB monitor, I have a room for that, but sometimes I just want to play some games and have it hooked up to my living room TV, and they would like to remove all the extra equipment. So, while, while it sounds to me like it probably is more of a mainstream product, I, you know, anybody that's skeptical, wait until it's released and see from there because maybe it isn't maybe it is for us as well but uh either way i'm just i'm I'm happy to see a company approaching this from the opposite of the way everybody else has you look at the people selling pre-configured raspberry pies you look at the retron fives on based on stolen software that you know was eating people's game cartridges you know that grip of death was killing it and it, it seems like you guys are just the opposite of that so you know we need we in the retro gaming world need this I hope it's as good as uh, as you all plan on it being, and uh, you know I hope people just approach it with an open mind, regardless of if they like it or not. No one's gonna like everything, you know. Totally, and we're not. That's not lost on us at all. Um, I, I feel like if the product speaks for itself, we won't have to. You know, th- those folks will still talk. And, and still, uh, you know, hold what truths they have in their minds, uh, you know, at the forefront. But overall, we think that we're going to, we know that we're going to create a great system. People are going to, there's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to enjoy it. And uh, we think that we're really, we're really going to be able to help move retro games forward into the future and not just preserve them in antiquity. So I think that's really what we're, what we're focused on. Cool. Well, uh, you know, this will be up on YouTube, uh, on all the other platforms. Um, free at library and bit shoot as well and of course everywhere audio podcasts are so uh, if you, you know people prefer it that way but uh, I guess the YouTube comments are probably the best place because those are going to be uh, they'll be here for you know, forever so anybody wants me to test anything next time leave the comments there I'll go back and reference this video the next time we meet uh, and I guess let's just keep in touch and uh, you know I'll see you I'll see you next time
Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thanks. Talk soon.